On this week's episode of Circles Off, it's a continuation of last week's episode. More Q&A. You had a ton of questions via Twitter, via YouTube. We're going to dive into all of them and more. This week's Circles Off starts now. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 97. Here on the Circles Off YouTube channel, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Part of the Hammer Betting Network. Rob Pizzola, Johnny from Betstamp. Number 97. Episode 97. Don't need to get into it. Connor McDavid, one of the best hockey players of the generation. Hasn't even been started yet. Hasn't even got started yet. Hasn't even won a cup yet. Maybe this year. Probably not. Leafs are winning the cup. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> last part. We Last week, we had a question and answer episode. We got through about half the questions. We are back this week to answer the rest. We are going to get right into it after a word from our sponsor. Of course. If you're going to be betting on sports. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book now available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what professional bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus. Not available in the U.S. And of course, as always, we preach it every single episode. Please, please, please play responsibly. Let's get into it. Question number one. The old guessing game. Rob, how many just pro gamblers are there in the United States and Canada? Only source of income is gambling. No pick selling or anything of that sort. Over or under 500? And before you answer that, second question. How many legitimate professional bettors would you estimate there are in North America? How many have social media? Sorry, Europe. No one cares about you since you have weird odds anyways. So we'll sum those into one question. Which is basically how many pro bettors are there? I've tried to enlist the help of ChatGPT. And? There's no reliable way to determine the exact number of professional bettors in North America. Okay, someone asked about 500, definitely over. Well, here's the thing. What do you consider a professional better? He says here, only source of income is gambling. Only source? And also, how long do you have to sustain that? Because that's another thing. If you told me how many professional bettors are going to have their only source of gambling... Only source of income be gambling this year in 2023, then the answer is definitely over 500. However, if you're going to tell me like how many of those people are going to have a 10 over 10 years sustain that answer is significantly lower. Agreed with both points. I don't know about like, here's the, I, I don't, I don't make a hundred percent of my income from sports betting. Does that, I'm not, I'm no longer considered oh, yeah. a professional See, that's a, better. That's another thing. That's like on, I, only I, source of income is gambling is tough. Cause like, then yeah, what like what if you have yeah yeah that's I do co- I do content where I get paid, not with the hammer, but with other companies. Maybe Five dollar at radio spots. Does that count now? You're out. You know I I do stuff where I get paid because I I mean my time is valuable. Like let's call it out for what it is. You know I yeah, have, you also enjoy doing that stuff too. I I love it, man. I I love I love doing content. I do. That's why we do this show. So okay, here's what I'll say then. There are a lot, there's way more people than 500 that make money gambling. And of those, I think if you're going to say how many just make money gambling, it's still over 500, be it under 10,000 to give some context there. Not that that's that helpful of a range, but I'd say, yeah. If you're going to then say though, how many people are going to have like a 10 year career where they can make money betting over 10 years, then the number is significantly lower, probably around 3,300. It's, it's, I mean, I think it's even higher. I honestly do. It's not that hard. Now, yeah, like, now like, people on the thing are like, well, look well, at these guys. No, no, no. Sorry. Listen, 
scaling is hard, right? And I think there's like a lot of people too who will just like leave their job because they have a significant edge and they'll earn and then they'll realize, oh, I can't earn as much anymore because I'm cut off from all these places and I have to get, and it becomes, but there's enough people that are doing it and can do it in a limited time that I think the number is always going to be higher than that personally. I mean, I don't know if I ever told you the story. Guy literally lives down the street from me who I thought was working in fire sales. He used to tell people, I'm over at his place. Like fire sales, like what did you sell? Smoke alarms or whatever. This guy knows who I am. And he's like, Rob, come here. Go into his office, like six monitor setup, Don Best, whatever. He's like, this is what I got to tell people because... You know, they, they don't want, like they, they, they exist everywhere. People exist. There's betters everywhere that are doing well for themselves. Agreed, agreed. There's a lot. And, and it's, it's a state, it, it happens because like, like even if, if 1% of betters win, and even let's say 1% of those betters can do it professionally, that's still way more than 500. Of course. And, and by the way, I wasn't including like Europe or anything like that. I no, was they, we don't include Europe because they're, they're decimal odds. Decimal odds. Well, technically Canada, I think some people think is decimal odds. Well, I'm definitely not. It's, but. it's most certainly <laughs> most not. Certainly it is not. But any of those, uh, any sports books that launched in the Ontario market and put the <laughs> default as decimal odds, what are you doing? Like, it's not decimal odds. We don't no. play decimal odds. Also, I will say though, I take offense to it being called American odds. North American odds. North American odds. North American odds. Yeah. I mean, like pet peeve of mine, obviously, if you're going to enter a market, like try to understand the betters that are in that market. Like the, the nuisance. The primary way to bet NHL is not the regulation three-way money line. No, no. <laughs> I know exactly which book you're talking about. I won't mention by name, but like just understand like the market. It's like a prerequisite of entering a market is understanding the clientele and like what they're looking for. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to bet like live Swedish Illitzerian hockey because I bet on the NHL. Like you do not have to force feed me a live betting at every single point. Like just show me what I'm going to bet or what's the most common bets. Yeah, bet an over six and a half NHL total. Game goes 3-3 into OT. You check, it's a loss. They didn't even specify. 60-minute Regu- <laughs> regulation only. Like, what's going on? Um, so there, there you go. No, I, I agreed on that. All right. Um, similar topic, you know, fits right in here. What percentage of sports bettors win long-term versus what percentage of sports bettors think they are long-term winners? I'm sure you've heard plenty on it, but the Barry Horse Pod is exceptional. Keep up the great work, Rob. I'm such a big fan. And I hope to meet you one day. I'm sure you just added that. At the I, end, I right? did. Just I don't add have that. that. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think that either came through YouTube or came through direct Twitter DMS. Um, I did add that at the end. I mean, listen, if you want to meet me someday, it's not, it's not that hard. I'm around. I tell people where I'm going. I'll be at bet bash three. It's a great opportunity to sit down and have a beer. Hopefully you're buying though. Not me. Depends on how the week goes. Well, the guy somebody asked, somebody asked, where are we getting, yeah. where are we eating at Bet Bash? So there you go. I guess we did answer his question. Bro, that place in, what's the Asian restaurant? Oh, in amazing. Something ate. It's phenomenal. The brisket fried rice. The brisket fried rice. Dude. Bet like Harut showed me that place. Where? What a spot. Benson, I'll, I'll see you at, I'll see you there. That, that's brisket, at 8 East. 8 East. 
Eight East. What a spot. Also, because Circa... Actually, you know what? No, Circa's got in-house food. You got to order the food from there. If Circa's, you're at the book, yeah. order the food from there. We got you, Benson. Who's the, um, who's the COO of uh, VEASAN? Um, what's his name? Bill? I'm trying to remember what his name is. Bill 80. CEO, he's always hanging out with uh, Derek Stevens at, at Circa. And uh, what's the steakhouse? Berries? Berries, Berries. Great place as well. So I, I mentioned last time I was in, in Vegas, I was there with uh, Chernoff and you know a few other betting partners just hanging around, played some rounds of golf. But we were going to Berries one night um, and Bill 80 overheard me and he's like, what are you, what are you, what are you going to order there? I'm like, I don't know. Seafood tower. Get a steak or whatever. See, I'm a, I'm a fan of seafood towers, as you know, and as I know of you. But he's like, listen, he's like, it's Bill 80, by the way, I'm pretty sure he lives in Circa. Like he's, he, he lives in the, ho- I'm serious. He lives in the hotel, right? I think. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to disclose that or whatever. It doesn't matter. He's like, trust me, it's really, it's going to sound really, really dumb, but you got to try the burger. He's like, at I, berries. At berries. He's like, I go here all the time. The burger is the best burger around. I'm a type of guy, judge me however you want. Going to a steakhouse and ordering a burger, I'm like a little bit embarrassed. Yeah. I'm doing so, but the burger at berries is phenomenal. Okay. Like you should really, I, I know, and I'm sure like, you know, the no, way I'm not going to get it still. No, no. I know the waiter's probably there. He's like, oh yeah, fucking cheap, cheap skate, fucking burger or whatever. But like, it's, it's amazing. Anyways, Circle Resort, check it out if you're in Vegas. So maybe a Barry's Burger is where we're going. Uh, what percentage of betters win long-term versus what percentage think they win long-term? So I would say it really drastically depends on what you consider to be long-term. And that is the, what I was getting into in the last question is, Winning over a 10-year span, 0.1%, less than 0.1%. Winning over a one-year span is the variance alone. There will be a lot of people, a very high percentage of people that will win over a one-year span just based on luck, even if they potentially don't have an edge. So if you're asking what percentage of sports bettors win, will win money over the next three years, I will say it's probably going to be 15 to 20% will win money over the next three years. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're winning betters. just means they will win. How many of those will win over a 10-year sample? Not very much. I would agree with a lot of that. So yeah, Pre- Pretty to- much right on. The, I'm, more in, I'm more interested in the, the latter half of that question. Like what percentage of people actually think that they win? Yeah, probably like 40. Who bet? Who, who was it that said... I, you think it's over 40, Zach? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think okay. I think more than forty percent of people think that they win. I I, I know s- a lot of people who who know they lose betting, and there's like, okay, ah, I'm gonna so, hit one of these parlays. Sh- sure, okay, but is it? Yes, there's definitely people like that that they know that they lose, and they're just trying to hit a big parlay or whatever. But there's also the like the people that are in denial, like they know that they're losing, they know that money's coming out of their bank account. But they think that like it's bad, bad luck. it's just bad luck. It's all gonna turn. It's been bad luck for the last six point nine years for a lot of these people. That's like, why I think it's way more than forty percent. Like literally, just take a scroll through gambling Twitter and then <laughs> tell me that percentage is. Still I've got 40. I've got a running joke here in the office. What we say is, um, if you ask somebody 
if they're up or down betting, you always got to ask lifetime, right? So you say, so let's say someone talks about betting. They're like, yeah, yeah, I I have this way. I win, I win, I win, whatever. If you ask them, are you up or down lifetime? They're either going to say one of two things. They are going to say, I'm up lifetime, which may or may not be accurate. Or they will say, lifetime, I'm about even. Break even. I'm about break even lifetime. Yeah. And if they say they're about break even lifetime, you best believe they're down lifetime. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is absolutely no way they're up lifetime if they say they're break even lifetime. If you don't know if you're up lifetime, it's a dead giveaway that you don't know. Yeah, like you yeah. don't know about like There's anything. one, I think one time in my life I've asked that to someone and they told me they were down lifetime. And the, the way that in which they said it was amazing. Like it was a, I was at a raps game and just sitting beside another guy. We ended up just by chance. We had the same bet. It was like the under for the game or something. And um, because we had the same bet, he had it like two points worse. <laughs> so we were sweating it out hard, but I, I had the extra two points and it came down to a free throw at the end, but he missed his free throw. So my bet was already good, but that was to cash his. He was going nuts. He gets up, starts yelling like 500 bucks. Let's go. Like he won, whatever. And he's like, I hit 500, like check on my account. He's showing me his account. He was up to like maybe three or 4,000. He had just hit a parlay the day before he was showing me too. He had a four Xer. And he's like, I figured it out now. I know what to beat NBA. You got to do this, this, and this. He's like telling me what to do, all this stuff. And then I'm like, hey, are you, are you up or down? Like lifetime, are you up or down? And he's like, lifetime? Lifetime, everyone's down, bro. That's what, he's, <laughs> that's what he said to me. And I never respected a guy at a raps game beside me more than that. But you notice how he lumped other people in with him, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he didn't he's, say he's, he's right, though. He's right. I, he, he, I mean, for the most part, he is right. I had someone on this, this weekend for the first time ever tell me that they were down uh, all-time losing. But it's it's someone it's rare. It's a rarity. Yeah, and it was like the most honest answer. And uh, lifetime, there, someone down. I know is is winning now. You guys know them too, but they were like, "Yep, down, down, lifetime, not good." And I was like, "No way, <laughs> down bad, lifetime, buddy." <laughs> but to his, but to Zach's point, if you just scroll through gambling Twitter, like it's it's actually a little bit different. I, I saw. I'll hesitate there because gambling Twitter has like an element of. People are promoting themselves in a lot of pace places. They try to, you know, trying to monetize their brands, whatever. I get it. How many what percentage of the people that think that they win on gambling Twitter or tell people that they win, they're doing the money bags and check marks and what, you know, up 35 units or whatever, actually like are self-aware enough to know that they don't. That's what I've always I'm fascinated. Like this needs to be like some sort of Netflix documentary where they follow these betters around. I I don't really know the answer to that. Like yeah. do, do people, do a lot of people know that they're scamming or do they believe what they're preaching? What's the majority? That's a good question. Well, I would say this too, like to Rob's point, the loudest people on gambling Twitter are the people who win the most and the people who lose the most. And to both people on gambling Twitter, at least they both win Pu- publicly. I make mean, it, make it like they win. You know what I mean? I completely get it. Listen, I'm I'm not saying people can't promote themselves or or shouldn't promote themselves or whatever. But it's very obvious that the vast majority of people don't win. Yet, if you were to just from the outside looking in, go into gambling Twitter, you would think the complete opposite based off of the recaps and whatever. 
It's a very interesting space. I think more people actually believe that they win than like know that they're scamming. I agree with that too. It's really hard for you to admit. I'm, I'm, this is going to come across so poorly. It's really hard for you to admit that you're a loser. It is. I had to, to admit that to myself at some point. It took many years of giving away envelopes of money to just say like, Rob, what the hell are you doing? Like the, the envelopes are not coming to you. You know, it's it's You're like you are going to lose if you keep doing this. Thursday's payday. I got to I got to pay Friday. I get the money. It's like, you know, there's a lot more Thursdays that I'm meeting up than Fridays. Like I, I need to. But it took a long time to come to that realization. And I think that's common. I really do. All right. Up next question from uh, Ben Carey, a friend of the show. What sport will be more popular to watch and bet on in three years? Pickleball, slam ball, volleyball. Okay. Um, I, I don't even know what slam ball is. It's a trampoline basketball. Okay. So I'm going to say it won't be volleyball because volleyball has been around for a long time. And no offense. Listen, if you're, I, I play volleyball. Add too. in world putting league to this. Is that number one? It might be. We're taking World Putting League to the top. We are taking World Putting League. April 20th, I'm going to show these jabronis on tour how that how you putt in Myrtle Beach. Have we announced it yet? At the Hawaiian Rumble. <laughs> I'm coming to play. I'm going to get smoked. Is this the first announcement? Johnny, I haven't. Have we announced this publicly on the hammer yet? Did I miss it or is it out? It, it, it's, it's, it's knowledge. It's out there. It's it's Rob is no, going rumors, to be competing in the Myrtle Beach I don't even know. Open, mini putt some, open at, in front of the people of the World Putting League. He's going to be in the field. Rob will be competing for the prize money and for good news for the listeners of Circles Off. Well, there's Bet Fred will be listing odds as the Bet official Fred sponsor. Bet will be listing odds and we are working on getting odds listed from a, a majority or a few other books that we can cover the majority of regions. Meaning, wherever you are located, we are hoping that you will be able to play and support or fade, which I would highly recommend. I, I, cannot, wait. I cannot wait to close as an underdog in all these markets. Um, there's <laughs> are you going to get smashed? The other guys are going to get, get first of, First and foremost, anyone who's concerned about integrity, you don't know how badly I want to win at something like this. So like, that's, that's never going to... I'm sure there's going to be questions. Oh, like, Rob, going to throw the events. It's like, no, no, it's not. Jeff Feinberg is joining me out there. Fellow Hammer creator. I love Jeff. I've known him for a long time. We're going to have a blast. Hopefully there's some head-to-heads that will make for some interesting stuff as well. We talked on a Circles Off episode about the World Putting League. Didn't I get some emails from guys in the World Putting League that are like, you guys are out to lunch. He's like, yeah, okay, we're not the best putters in the world. We know these courses, like the back of our, our hands, basically. And on top there's, of that... Rob, there's a guy who putts with his shoe. I can, I'm going to be... Are you going to be a dog to that guy? I'm going to close as an underdog to that guy. I'm going to close he as an underdog. He putts with his shoe. I, listen... He's a metal plate on his shoe, and he putts with a, his foot. I'm trying to temper expectations here. But listen, what, what I was told... I was sandbagging told, everyone. Back Pizzola. What I was told was that a lot of the putts, as they appear on the broadcast are actually way harder than they look. Like the Hawaiian Rumble course was rejigged for the events that were happening there. And you'll sometimes see like a three or four foot putt 
and someone will miss it. And you were, you know, I'm, I'm doing a live watch along. I'm like, oh, Tony Varnador, like Tony, Tony. And I'm getting messages like, that's actually like, there's actually break on that putt. Like he should hit it. And that's what I would say too, if I was missing those putts. He should hit it for sure. But there's actually break on those putts. Um, so I don't know what to expect. These people fly out early for these events. They play the course. Like, I, I, am I going to compete with that? I don't know. But I'm looking to make the cut. That's what I, I'm looking I, to do. What I really hope happens is, and I'm again, I'm not rooting against you in any way. But against, I, huh? I really hope that one of two things happen. I, I hope either Pizzola is actually in it and he's like competing in the bracket and we have an actual sweat and he like wins some of his matchups. Or I hope he goes dead last by like 23 strokes and he's just struggling to finish the course. Either one of those would make for great content. Uh, I, I'll be I, doing a live stream. During the event, we're going to get some other creators on as well to do a, an amazing live stream. But uh, this should be a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I really, I truly hope one of, I, I would prefer that you win it and that would be just unbelievable. But if not, I would prefer you're just like so far behind that it's just hilarious to watch. So for anybody who wants to go and see what the last one looked like or they're curious to maybe handicap some of this, look at the other players. Uh, if you Google World Putting League, then some of the top YouTube results are the Hammer Betting Network stream. So you can see Rob commentating and roasting some of these guys as they competed on the last track. Uh, you can also go over to the Hammer HQ YouTube channel in the live watch along section. You'll be able to see the World Putting League. There's two different videos there. So one is day one, one is day two, obviously. Uh, but that's a good way for you to uh, prep prep for that if that's what something you want to do. This is, um, this is like... I went into that watch along, like I'm not going to try to roast these guys too hard. Like they're, they're putters. They take this seriously. And I didn't, but like, there was a few comments that I made that like karma is going to catch up to me. I consider myself to be a fairly good putter, but it's different. Like I, I will explain. It's like, if we, you've golfed with me, you both golf with me. I can putt. Golf now, with Rob multiple times. Yeah. He's not bad. He's not good. He's there. Yes. But like I can put a ball down. On a, I can read a putt, I can put a ball down on a line, and I can hit the ball on that line. You're no Nate Dog. Don't don't get me started <laughs> on Nate Dog. No one will get this references. <laughs> Nate Nate Dog, if you're listening, may God have mercy on your soul. Like if you're if you are in a four man scramble <laughs> and you're the first putter every time, you cannot leave every putt like six feet short. You cannot do this. You have to give the read to the other people. It is the rule of the scramble. The guy who's going first, even if you're a shit putter, you just got to give everyone else the read. You cannot leave every putt short. How, my God, Nate Dog, how is that even possible? How every hole, you can complain, oh, the green, uh, they're not running as fast. Hit the ball harder on the next hole. Hit the ball harder. Sorry, went off on a tangent there. <laughs> Nate. It's different when you're playing mini golf, mini putt, and you're using a ball where there's no, you can't, you, you know, you can't line it up. There's no markers on the ball. This is a different thing for me. Like, I'm not, I, listen, I know it sounds like I'm making excuses. I'm not trying to make excuses as we're, I'm watching video of, of this guy kicking the ball into the hole. I mean, that was pretty what, straight. What are the odds Rob, Rob makes the cut? I don't like, know. what do you think it's going to be? So what I, would you price yourself I, I, at? So the there, cut, there's right? actually three cuts. So it's a, it's a, it's all in one day. There's the first round. I believe there's 39 golfers and the field gets weeded down to like 30. So I think the first nine get cut because you're playing in, uh, in threesomes. Will Rob be in the first nine cut? 
I, I, man, that it, I would say that's probably even money personally, by the way, here's the email that Joey Gray, Gray Beagle sent me. Okay. Sorry, Joey, for violating your trust and reading this on air. Um, basically, you know, thank you very much for doing the, the broadcast. Uh, most players will arrive three to five days before the tournaments. Olivia usually arrives two to three weeks before to practice. Olivia is the best player on tour. She's the favorite in all these events. So she's arriving earlier. Makes it very hard to beat her. This is my favorite sentence. Your buddy on the podcast saying he will make the cut without practice has lost his mind. <laughs> Literal sentence. If he can putt, he would need a lot of time getting the speed right. And even then, I really doubt he makes the cut. These guys are really good. And there were numerous great players that are not even here because they just took a certain number of players for this tournament. I'd love to see you guys on the course. So you and I, he's lumped me in on his team, by the way, can take your buddy's money. This is wow. what he said. To <laughs> keep up the great work. We're going to get Johnny out to one of these events. But um, this guy took a liking to me because he's got a claw grip thing. I was calling him the claw on the broadcast and he's, he's a big fan. But I did love that he said, you've lost your mind. Like, listen. So that's that's self-confidence. You know what? I'll, I, I, will, I will give an honest assessment when I'm back. You'll see it. You'll see it live of whether or not I, I think I could, you, you bring me to, to putting edge, glow in the dark down the street where I know the course, I t I'll tear it up. Okay. How about this? When Pozzola comes back, we'll do a head to head me versus him at putting edge. Yeah. If he makes the cut and I beat him at putting edge, then I, it was safe to say I would have made the cut. Yes. Agreed. Done deal. Uh, well, I'm not, listen, I'm not playing the course. It's I, the transitive property. It's not really like it's, but we'll, we'll let that happen. We'll let that we'll, happen. We'll, let we'll, happen. we'll assume that that's like okay. a right. fair. Ben, ben Carey, to answer your question, so, we're going to go pickleball. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, I would say probably pickleball. Pickleball is gaining steam, right? Yeah, of course. Vo it's like just, volleyball. The other two are not that big a peel. LeBron no. has a team. Kevin Durant has a team. Yeah. Like, Volleyball's been around for like 20 years. And again, apologies to the volleyball players out there, but like if it hasn't picked up steam yet, it, it's probably it's probably not happening for volleyball. No good. No good. All right. Are there any signals to help figure out when a market is being manipulated and the line movement is bogus? Um, signals. So I would say that you can ease... It doesn't happen very much anymore. Like almost, at least in the sports that I bet, almost never. Um, partly because so many people bet on screen nowadays. So what I say that is like pinnacle, for example, somebody goes and tries to fake the line. This means that they're trying to move the line in the direction, the opposite direction of what they want to bet so that everybody else who's just copying pinnacles lines are going to move as well. And this applies to other sports books as well. Circa, obviously, bet Chris offshore, but with the goal that they place a smaller bet, move the entire market, and then crush the other side for a lot of money. And this used to happen a lot, but there's just people out there. There's like so many people betting on screen now that people just pick off the prices right away. Like it's hard to fake the market and have it last for as long as you need for all the other outs to move and for you to hit it back the other way. I'm not saying it never happens, but it just doesn't happen anywhere close to the way it used to. Typically, people that are in tune with the market and watching it every day would very much be able to figure this out. 
because they tend to happen at the same times regularly. I mean, we used to have these discussions all the time with hockey bets. It's like, we're going to fake the market at this time because no one's paying attention. Okay, try it. It works for a while. After a month, someone figures it out and they just start hitting back all the place. So I would say that there's no telltale signal other than just like being intuitive. Like one thing that you could look for, I guess, to provide something quantifiable is like when the limits are lowest is when it's most likely. And then when the limits are higher, it's going to be less likely. So you can probably, what you should do is uh, take a look at when the limits at Pinnacle or the other sports books are going to go up. And if you can identify that the limits go up around 10 o'clock, then you could best believe that the manipulation will likely happen before 10 o'clock. Yep. All right. So that's it. Uh, that's it for that one. I'm not sure it was the best answer, but what do you think? There? Well, no, I, it, 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 that's the case. It's different. The market is different, right? Five years ago, when we were betting like hockey in the mornings, holy gee, you, you, it would, you move a number and it's stuck around for half an hour and you can bet all the off-screen outs and then pound, pound pinnacle back the other way. It just doesn't happen anymore. Like nobody wants to waste money faking a line if somebody's just going to hit it back right away. So, I mean, my, my, you know, if you're looking out for it, every line move, you, you, you'll just notice it. Like, honestly, if you're just watching the screen, you got spank odds up in front of you or whatever. You're watching the screen on a daily basis. You see big moves, mark down the time, see if they get hit back the other way. They're probably all like legit moves nowadays. Fair enough. Um, hey fellas, CLV question, hypothetical situation. If you were able to, let's say, bet an NBA team at Pickham and the game closed minus two and a half, how likely am I to turn a profit doing that over and over? How confident are you in the amount of value guaranteeing long-term dollars? So a little bit of a weird question here, but um, this one you could very easily quantify in this situation. So what you would do is you would take the Pick'em, which is a money line price, and what you would do is you would then take that money line price and compare it against what the closing money line price is, which is the two and a half converted to money line. So you can also just check the money line. You don't even have to do calculations in this scenario. If you wanted to do calculations of like pick them to two and a half, how much is that worth? There's a lot of things that get factored into that, but you could potentially use the uh, unabated price comparison tool that they've got that actually shows the difference in value there. Could also use the CLV calculator on BetStamp as well. You can track your bet at pick them when it closes two and a half. You can see how much CLV you have there. But what you're going to want to do in terms of confidence in how much you're going to guarantee long-term money, I would say this. A, if you do this over and over again, you will make money with a little variance and a large enough sam sample size. B, what you would do here is you take the money line price that you got. So let's say you got minus 110. Let's say the game closed and you take the pinnacle closing odds and it closed minus 150 plus 135. You would take the midpoint of that. And it's just a hypothetical, obviously. Let's say the midpoint's minus 144. And then you would convert minus 144 to an actual win probability, then you would stack that up against your minus 110. So what you've done is you've stripped out the juice and the vig from Pinnacle, converted that to a win probability. Yep. For the simplicity of this, let's say it's 60%. And then you've got your minus 110, which let's say for the simplicity of this would imply, uh, you know, 54%. Then your expected edge there is going to be, well, it's not, it's not quite this. You can use an edge calculator, but it's going to be one over one minus the difference of that. 
Yes. I'm, I'm not going to add anything to that. Well said. So you would basically have a few percentage points every time. And if you ended up making a hundred dollar bet on that, roughly on this, you're going to earn a couple percentage points. I'd have to actually calculate the math. Maybe we can actually link it in the show notes. I'll do it for everyone, but calculate the show notes, have that there. You're making two bucks for every hundred dollars. Let's say as you start to grow that and, you know, start to see this like compound every single day and on every single game, then you have a hundred down, then 200, 300, 400 per game. And then as you start to actually grow that, that is how you can sustainably build something that works for sports betting and how confident am I in this? Extremely confident. I've done this. Multiple people have done this that I know. It works. It wins money. And vice versa, if you're on the other end of this, then exact same thing is going to happen. If, you're, if you continually lay minus 2.5 and the game closes pick them, then you're not just going to lose your 2% because there's the VIG involved as well that you're paid, but you are going to then lose that same rough percentage. And in theory, if... This is the closing line value. You know, this is basically what closing line value is. But in theory, if you actually just take this whole scenario and map it out with a minus seven and a half to a minus five and a half for a spread, it's the exact same thing. You just have to figure out your percentages. And overall, in the long run, you will win if you do this. You didn't talk about how the public bet percentages figure into this, though. Doesn't it does? I did not talk about that right now. Like, um, what if 90% of the public is on the game? That's pick them, but closes minus so two and a half. This is this is a podcast. This might this will have a lot of like few. I don't I don't want people to listen to these in three years and then this doesn't work anymore. So I will put this disclaimer in. As of right now, you will win doing <laughs> as this. of the time of recording. As of the time of recording, and as per anything you would have done in the past ten years betting, you will win if you get this. It's true. Over Mar- a long market evolves, so you never know. Could just be some horse that you know some whale that comes in. I don't know why I said horse. It's because Barry Horse is our last episode or or a couple episodes ago. A whale comes in the market, just has so much, like infinite amount of money that the sports books have to move off the action regardless because of liability reasons. You never know. You never know. You never know. Um, Okay. Up next. Tips for keeping accounts from getting limited or kicked off while still balancing what we want to get down on some very badly priced props in one specific market. Great chance um, here. Okay, so here's what I'm what I'm thinking here is this. I will give out one piece of real advice, uh-huh. and that is it. The sure. one piece of real advice is this. If you see a clear mistake line at the sports book, it is in your best interest to not play that. And the reason why it's in your best interest to not play that is because it is going to be very obvious to the sports book who played that. Think about it if you were running a sports book and you accidentally put someone's, uh, you put Vlad Guerrero to hit a homer and instead of putting him at plus 400, you put him at plus 4,000. That is very clear as day that that is a mistake. They are highly likely to go in and take a look at all of the accounts of the players who bet that and be like, hey, this person took advantage of this. I would highly recommend you don't do that. That is the one piece of advice I will give on this. The second thing that we would like to give out today is if you are getting limited on a sports book, you're going to take that money. You're going to withdraw it and you're going to deposit it at Pinnacle Sports, the world's sharpest sports book that doesn't limit any players. 
Period. Period. They even tell you how much you can bet on the games. Believe that. Believe, believe that there's a sports book that tells you what you can bet on the games before you bet it. Doesn't give you a spinning wheel and then change the numbers on you or come back to you and say, you can bet $2.63, but we have to refer the rest of your bet to this trader over here. Like, which by the way, when that happens, I refer to trader every time out of spite. Just to make I, well, and I, I, and I just, know they're not going to take it. I'll, I'll place 200 bets over the course of that 15 minutes on stuff that I don't even have an edge on just so that trader has to re reject the remainder of the bet. <laughs> and they will anyways, too, which is the saddest thing. Use Pinnacle if you're in Ontario, 100%. Yeah. Super random, really. super awesome. random one, one second. question. I just want to add to one thing you're saying. I'm, I'm going to give like a high-level piece of advice really quickly on the limiting thing. I think what you said right at the end there is just the best. I cannot speak to how every individual sportsbook runs their trading operation. I've consulted for sportsbooks, granted. Well, have you consulted for some sportsbooks in the past, by the way? I've got to make it clear to new people okay. who are watching. <laughs> Sorry, just, yeah, just confirming. Believe me, I don't want to say that every <laughs> single time. But like, people are like, oh, what makes you qualify? Philly Godfather hired the detective to oh, figure that out. Of, of course, of course. I just want to make it clear to people that like, they're always like, oh, why are you qualified to say what's, okay, well, I mean, I've, I, I've been in trading rooms for Super Bowls before. I see how things are run. I have some general idea. Not every sports book on the planet's run in the exact same way. We all know that. But from a pure logic perspective, if you're trying to have your account last at a sports book, put yourself in the shoes of if you were a trader. Most traders have some experience in the space. Not everyone. There might be some junior traders who are still learning the ropes or whatever, but most traders at sportsbooks have some experience. They have some way of identifying what kind of accounts are going to win in the long run. Think about it from the opposite point of view. If you were tasked with finding winning betters and limiting them, what things would you look for? What's the sign of a sharp better? Not that hard to do. Are some things going to work? Yes. Are some things going to work at one book and not the other? Yes. Are some things not going to work? Of course. But just put yourself in the mindset of the person who's doing the limiting and just work backwards. Best thing I could say. Fair enough. Um, up next, quick one here. What is the sharpest book for League of Legends? What sort of limits are they taking? Uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, know too much about esports. I know Rob doesn't as well. We know Pinnacle had graduated their esports department. We had Matt Trenhale on the podcast. He used to manage esports. Um, and I do think that Pinnacle is quite sharp overall. I would say that they are the sharpest for esports, especially, you know, within the Ontario market here and within Canada. And Markle Bloom's no longer with the company, but he had a pretty significant impact on esports betting. Uh, for Pinnacle, so I would agree with you. It's not because they're a sponsor of the show or anything like that. Generally speaking, they were very quick to market, um, and especially during uh, COVID, we're taking very high limits on esports. Um, that that's the book I would say. Okay, uh, up next, I don't even know if we need to answer this one. What is the public side tax exactly? Keep hearing people say this. Is it an actual thing? So by, by the way, I want to say this. It's sort of, it's sort of like, seems like it makes sense, which is why a lot of people say it. If you, but nobody, there's not a lot of people that 
Sorry, whoever asked this question, I'm sorry to call you out. I just like, I no, this, he's, he's looking to learn. He's not looking to say that it's a real thing. Sure. But if you actually look up public sides tax in quotations on Twitter, it's been said one time and it was by plus EV analytics. And it was the day before this question got brought into us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's literally not everybody is saying it. It was in reference to one thing that plus EV analytics said which was the national championship game between UConn and San Diego State. He so said, if you take UConn, you're paying a public tax. You're public, if you play UConn at a recreational book, you're paying public uh, sides tax. And all that means is that the price at those books is steeper on UConn because the majority of bettors at that book are betting UConn. As we saw, it doesn't matter in a given game. One of the best best examples of, you know, square side versus sharp side or whatever, like people get so, you know, fat, people galaxy brain themselves into San Diego State just because, oh, the books are going to need, the books are going to need San Diego State. It's like, who cares? Who cares? You know what books hold on straight wagers? It's not a ton. They hold a lot on parlays and teasers and same game parlays and stuff like that. Like stop caring about what other people bet. Anyways, that's the public side stacks. It's just recreational book leaning towards one side because the majority of their player base is betting there. And guess what? Who's playing at recreational books? People are generally not price sensitive for the most part. And that's why it goes like that. All right. This one comes from another friend of the show, Jeff Benson at Twitter. Um, Jeff Benson, Jeffrey Benson, twelve, aka Bet Jeff, aka Circa Sports Director of Operations. If you were running a sports book, what would your model be? Sharp, soft, combo, and why? Okay, I'm going to reference an offshore sports book here. I'm not promoting them. I don't suggest that you bet offshore if you can bet into regulated options. But in my opinion, there's no one in the regulated market. That is the equivalent of bet online in the offshore space. And when I say the equivalent of bet online, I mean a book that does a good job of catering both to recreational bettors and to sharper bettors. They do not have the highest limits in the world. They do not have the limits of a Circa, a Pinnacle, Bet Chris, whatever, but they take a decent pop on a lot of stuff. And they tend to not limit you unless you pick off like a really horrible line, as you mentioned, which every sports book take is, you know, frowns on that in general. So if I was running a sports book in the regulated space, I'm not even joking. I would get a team of people together and say, let's replicate what bet online is doing in the regulated space. Because I think that that type of sports book is going to appeal to the majority of betters. Good props offering. You can still parlay. You can do everything you could do at a recreational book. And they still give you a decent enough bet that if you were a winning better, you would play there. And we do see that. We do see tons of winning betters that play there. So, so your answer is combo. It, it, it's 100% combo. And, you know, th- there's risks when you bet in the offshore space. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but there's no policing that goes on in the offshore world, right? Like, theoretically... I think it's extremely unlikely, but it's happened before where sportsbooks just close down shop and see you later, your money's gone and you're out of there. And you have no recourse for that. 
You have no appealing body. They just cancel one of your big winning bets and it disappears out of your account. You have no appealing body. So I don't want to promote an offshore sports book in terms of you going to play there. I would highly suggest you stick in the regulated market if you can. With that said, I think that's the best model. And we don't see it in the regulated space right now. And honestly, I think if someone transition, one of the big players transitions to that model, it's a highly successful one that will succeed in the long run. Fair enough. Personally, what I would do is probably, you know, I don't even know. Honestly, I have, I have no idea because I, I don't know the, the specific ins and outs of like what it takes to run the sharp model and how much you could actually earn on that and how many players would actually well, play there. So I, I truly think like I would need to actually look at like the back end data on a lot of these books and then make a decision off that. I'm guessing right now, you know, I tend to agree with Rob. I think the offering is super important. I definitely wouldn't want to, like we talked about with exchanges, like it's not feasible for a betting exchange currently to be your only sports book. And it's just not reasonable to even have that as one of like your two to get a betting exchange in to fit it into your top. It would have to be like a top five. It'd have to be more of a four or five. So when I'm looking at this, I'd probably lean more towards something with a bit of a deeper offering um, where you could actually play a lot of like fun bets and stuff like that as well. On top of, you know, just overall being like, I think my main thing would be, I would want to be super fair. Like I would want to hundred percent, no, probably no bad bet refunds or anything like that, but you better believe like there is, we are never doing like if I, if I ever ended up doing that, which by the way, I got absolutely zero plans to ever run or operate a sports book. No interest in that. But I would be a very, very fair operator. Like you're never going to have a like stupid player complaint like we talked about. Two-way lines, time. posted limits on things. Like these are things that are important. It, 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 I'm, I'm answering this question without having like full visibility. We don't, we don't know what these books make. You know, sharp books, what they're holding specifically, so on and so forth. But for me, I think it's just like general basic economics like let's try to appeal to as many different betters as possible and capture the entire pie that's that's my personal opinion second thing i would say is i don't i'm not going to give away an idea or whatever but we're seeing books quote unquote books prize picks you know those types of models that are just like prop parlays and stuff like that that are starting to take off and get a lot of visibility in the space why They appeal to the masses and they're different. I think kind of what's lacking in the space is the way that we think about a sports book. And in our heads, like as I'm answering this question or even as Jeff asks it, like sharp, soft, combo, whatever, right? This is like all traditional. I think that there's room for like a very non-traditional type of sports book that like we we don't have it in market yet but something that might appeal to a younger demographic is more with the times than the traditional sports book view, right? Like this is just the, like the model for what, no, what betters you're, you're catering to. But from a product perspective, I think there's room for a lot of innovation. Interesting. I, I would agree. And I hope we see something like that. Like the guy from soon. Ireland. Remember that guy? <laughs> oh yeah. We the better. Did you end up meeting up with him at all? No, I, we didn't. We, when would I have met up with him? Oh, I don't know. Ice, no? Oh, no, I, I, I did not. I did not. Um, if you are looking to sign up for a new sports book, which we always recommend, Pinnacle is our preferred choice. We, we trust them. They're very fair. They're not going to limit you. They got posted limits. You need Pinnacle as one of your books. 
However, we do recommend playing at a majority of sports books if you can. If you're located anywhere in a regulated state and you're looking to sign up for a new sports book, please visit www.betstamp.app slash circles off and sign up for a sports book through that link. It really helps support the show, keeps it free, keeps us doing extra episodes and things like that. And we really do appreciate the support. This has been episode 97 of Circles Off. We will see you all next week. And remember, don't talk about it, be about it.